We are in these, in these evenings, we're in, the, in this series on the parables of Jesus, on the stories that, that Jesus told. And we've had several of them over the last uh, few weeks. And this evening we're looking at the parable of the yeast, or, or leaven. You might see it in other um, translations if you've got them other than the, the NIV here uh, this evening. It's quite a short uh, scripture. It's one verse that we're looking at tonight. So I want to put it in context, really. Just kind of, it's always wise when you've got a short scripture, a short verse in the Bible to, to put it in context. It's very easy to take a verse out and make it mean what you want it to mean. So it's in chapter 13 of Matthew. So if you've got your Bibles with you, or you've got your phones with you, you could turn to, uh, to chapter 13 and make sure what I'm saying to you now is true. <laughs> there are uh, seven, as I record, there are seven parables or seven sayings on the kingdom of heaven. In chapter 13, this chapter is all about the kingdom of heaven. And the first four uh, parables you see, the sower, parable of the sower, parable of the weeds, the mustard seed, and yeast, which we're looking at tonight, are all about the development or the growth of the kingdom. They all talk about how it's going to be, how it develops, how it's going to work. And then you've got the hidden treasure and the pearl that we heard about a few weeks back. And they're about the incomparable value of the kingdom of heaven. This is something you want to take hold of. This is something you want to give up what you've got to grab hold of. There is incredible value in this kingdom of heaven. And then the last one is the, the parable of the net, which is about belonging, about membership, about what happens at the end of time with this kingdom of heaven. So this is very kingdom of heaven heavy, this chapter, and that's where we find ourselves, in the, right in the middle, with this parable of yeast. Now, the, the kingdom of heaven is, I believe, the kingdom of Jesus' rule, and that is in our hearts. The kingdom of heaven is in our hearts. It's not a, a place or a realm. It's a, it's a domain in which Jesus operates, in which the spirit of Jesus operates. In, uh, in Luke 17, verses 20 to 21, it's, it says this, Jesus is talking about the kingdom. Once I'm being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, the coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. Nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. It's among you. But it wasn't talking about Jesus, because Jesus was going to go, but the kingdom of heaven remained. It was invisible, but it was here. It was in your midst. The kingdom of heaven is in us. And it's invisible. And we are part of it. And the same is true of yeast. Yeast is invisible. It's not the packets you might see in the supermarket. It's, it's a small microorganism. It's absolutely tiny. It's invisible to the naked eye. And yet its power is phenomenal, considering its size. Now, tonight we're going to look at how yeast, as Jesus described, helps us understand the kingdom of heaven and how it grows. So, the parable of the yeast, or parable of leaven. We've got, we've got a short video that's going to read us the scripture, and uh, you might recognize somebody in the video. We'll see. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. wonderful illustration of um, of the power of yeast so again putting it in context just like the the parable of the mustard seed 
turn it into a mustard tree or a mustard plant. Talked about the growth, the extreme growth of the kingdom of heaven. So does the yeast. But unlike the mustard seed that grew from itself into a plant, it stayed a mustard seed, became a mustard plant. The yeast spreads through something else. The yeast is something else and it spreads through, in this case, the dough, causing it to grow. But what is, what is yeast? What, what is it? Why is Jesus talking about this? Well, yeast is a fungus that grows as a single cell. As I said, it's, it's invisible to the, to the naked eye. And it just duplicates. It doesn't kind of continue to grow like a mushroom fungus. It doesn't grow like that. It just stays very, very small. And it lives in, well, all over the world. There's 1,500 uh, different types. And what does it do? Well, at the shop or the bakery where you, you buy yeast, you might buy it in a packet, you might see it in a little jar, just sat dormant on the shelf, and it's just waiting to be rehydrated so it can do its life's work. Eating sugar and releasing carbon dioxide to form bubbles in your bread. That's what yeast does. As the yeast eats the glucose, the sugar in the dough, it belches out carbon dioxide. Just doesn't sound that attractive, does it? And the bread, but that's what it does. Just gives it carbon dioxide and it gets trapped in the gluten and it causes the bread to rise, as you saw on the video. Now, a definition of yeast, we know what it is, it, what it does, but there's this definition of yeast, and it, I think it's brilliant to describe what, what we're looking at tonight. It says, Yeast is a pervasive influence that modifies something or transforms it for the better. So it's a pervasive influence, so it goes everywhere. It gets into every little thing, gets into every corner that modifies or changes something, changes it for the better. That's what yeast does. That's the power of yeast. So how does yeast work through the dough in the process of bread making? Show us what the kingdom of heaven is like. Why did Jesus use a story about yeast to describe the kingdom of heaven? Well, as we've just heard, it's pervasive in nature. It grows everywhere. It's pretty much unstoppable. You see the, the mixture that went into the, the tin there before it went into the oven, it overflowed. It kind of doubled, trebled in size. It gets absolutely everywhere. It's pervasive. It goes right through, as it says, goes right through the dough. And another P, another reason it's been chosen is it's patience in working. There's no instant change. When you see the yeast go into the dough, it's not instant. You've got to wait for it. It happens in time, but you've got to wait for it. There's no instant change. So there's, there's patience in yeast and its power. And lastly, it's powerful in transformation. It's such a small start. Again, it's, it's invisible. What, you, what we see is it mixed with, with like cornmeal, with corn parts. That's what you see, and that's what you add to bread. But it's invisible. And yet... <laughs> The results you see are remarkable. For something that can't be seen, it's extremely powerful. So it's pervasive, it's patient, and it's powerful. Now also in the Bible, yeast is used as a metaphor for teaching. It talks about teaching, also talks about sin. Jesus talked about this, and he talked about the Pharisees. He talked about the Pharisees and their teaching, which was about works and about self-interest, which led to death. And there will be expansion of that. There will be growth of that. In Matthew 6... Jesus said, be careful, be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, the disciples thought that it was, he was talking about bread. And they, they started to ask about, well, is he talking about bread? Where's his bread coming from? And Jesus said, no, it's not about bread. It's not about where you're going to get bread from. We fed 4,000, we fed 5,000, we fed 7,000. It's not about bread. It's not about the bread. He said, how is it you don't understand that I was not talking to you about bread? 
but be on your guard against the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Then they understood that he was not telling them to guard against the yeast used in bread, but against the teaching of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Paul mentions yeast in 1 Corinthians 5. He says, your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens or rises the whole batch of dough? So again, they're talking about yeast getting everywhere, and they're talking about teaching. So a little bit of teaching, once it gets hold, gets everywhere, gets into everything, and gets through everything. And he said, beware of the Pharisees, because they're a little bit wrong teaching, and you'll go off completely in the wrong direction. But he's talking about teaching here. Yeast is, is a simile, a metaphor for teaching. But Jesus' teaching was very different. Jesus' teaching was about grace, about forgiveness, about bearing fruit. You think of the Sermon on the Mount. Think about the expansion to the world of the gospel. Jesus talked about this upside-down kingdom. Things were going to be very different. His teaching was very different to that of the Pharisees, very different to anything anybody had ever heard before. So Jesus' teaching through the parables and, and other teachings, what it did was it affected the internal parts of people. It got to their heart. The Pharisees' teaching was all external. It was about what you did, how you looked when you turned up, all the laws that you obeyed. It was all external. Jesus' teaching was all to the heart. It was about, all about internal change. But what that did was affected the external. The internal change affected the external behavior, the external attitude. And that, in effect, draws people to Jesus. I don't know about you, but, but before I was a Christian, I didn't really stand out at all. I was very, very normal. Very naughty, but very, very normal. And since I've become a Christian, I've, I've changed. And there's something different in me. Now, I'd like to say it's finished and perfect, but you know as well as I do, that's not going to happen. But I'm on that road, and, and we change. And we become not on the outside, on the inside. We become more attractive. The way we carry ourselves, our kindness towards people, our loving kindness, our grace towards people, our forgiveness sets us apart and can make us more attractive to other people. And we see the same with the yeast going through the bread. You look at that mixture that, that Jenny was putting together there. It looks like nothing. The dough actually looks quite grim, I think. But it goes in the oven and comes out, and it's wonderful. Now, if you know, when you, when you sell a house, they tell you to have two things on, to have coffee percolating and to have bread baking because people are drawn to the smell of fresh bread. And people are drawn to the personality of Jesus. And the more personality, the more of Jesus you get inside you, the more people are attracted and the more they want. See, Jesus teaching on the new kingdom, the kingdom that he was bringing, this kingdom of heaven and this kingdom way of life, coupled with the gospel, it causes kingdom growth. This yeast that Jesus was talking about was going to be, or was, his teaching. It was his teaching on a new world, on a new kingdom. And it was upside down. It was like nothing they'd ever seen before. But this growth is twofold. See, it's individually and collectively. When we hear the teachings of Jesus, when we get that yeast of Jesus inside us, we grow. When we listen to the teaching week in, week out, wherever it may be, preferably in this church, in this platform, but wherever you listen to the word of God preached faithfully, it grows you. You grow, you change, you get washed, you get cleaned, and you grow, and you grow. So just like the yeast in the bread that makes it grow and expand, so the word of God does with us. 
The Bible says that God's word never returns void. Whenever it goes out, it has an effect, whether you know it or not. And it helps you to grow. But then this is collectively as well, because as, as we grow individually, as we grow more mature, as we grow more as Christians, we grow more Christ-like, we have the same effect on one another. We heat one another up. We encourage one another, and we tend to grow. So we're talking about this expansion of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus talked about it later in his ministry. In, in Matthew 28, there's, there's something we need to do here. There's a, there's a how can I put this? There's um, individually and collectively. So there's a responsibility on us to grow as we hear the word, but it, it just does. It just happens, but we have to submit to it. And then we grow collectively as well. But there's a responsibility to work with God. The kingdom of heaven is God's, and it will expand. It will grow, whether we do anything or whether we don't, because God is God, and nothing will stop him. He said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's going to happen. But we've got a choice to join him. We've got this privilege of being co-workers with him, or we can just let him do it. In Matthew 28, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So go and tell them what I have taught you. So what you're being taught, go and tell others. The yeast that gets put inside you, take it and give it to others. Tell them what you have been taught and it will spread and it will grow. And he says, I am with you to the very end of the age. So there's a talk about time there as well, which we'll come back to. I'll be with you to the very end of the age. You know, we said yeast doesn't have an, an immediate impact. It's not immediate. You've got to wait for it. Well, this kingdom of heaven that is growing, that is expanding, like this yeast through the dough, it's always expanding. We can't always see it, but it's always expanding. It's always growing. But there's no rush because Jesus knows when that age will end. So this growth comes from this growth of the kingdom, this yeast that comes through the bread and grows it, is the teaching of Jesus Christ. It's the teaching of Jesus. It's the good news of the gospel. This is what grows us, and this is what grows the kingdom. If you think of us as individual organisms, like the yeast, with these little organisms that, that they feed on sugar, but we feed on the word of God. They spew out carbon dioxide, but we spew out truth. When we feed on the truth, it's in us. And then we're ready to give it out. We're ready to talk it out. We're ready to speak it out. So this is where this growth comes from. Now, I want to talk about a sourdough starter. Now, I'm a little bit concerned about this because I know there's some really good bakers in the room this evening, so I hope I get this right. But back in the Egyptian times, when they think the very first bread was kind of baked, they used to just mix water and flour, and they had their dough, and they would leave it out in the sun. But because of the nature of yeast, these 1,500 different types, and it's found everywhere, it's found on plants, in plants, in us, it's found all over the world. They think that some of this yeast just in the breeze landed on this bread, and it rose, it just rose, and they suddenly thought, Wow, that's impressive. And through trial and error, they realized that that's what yeast did. And it started to rise the bread, raise the bread, whatever the word is for, uh, for the bread. But the bread would rise and it would grow. Now, what they do with a sourdough starter is before you break that bread, you take a little bit out of it and you keep it for the next loaf. 
and then you go away and break your bread. But you've still got this starter here, and you can use that, mix it with the, the dough for your next one, and then that grows. So you're constantly taking a bit as it grows. And I want to say that's, that's like us. As we grow, as we are fed, we need to take the truth. We need to take the yeast that's been put in us, that's making us grow. And then we go and share it with someone else. And we pray that they take it. And we pray that it goes into them. And we pray that it grows them. And then they'll move on. And they'll take a piece out of their truth, their growth, and they'll give it to someone else. This is what Jesus is talking about, but going into the world and making disciples. It's taking what you have. It's taking your growth, your truth, the truth that Jesus has given you, the gospel news, and giving it to somebody else. And constantly passing it on and growing more and more Christians. This is how the kingdom of heaven expands. So how do we play our part in the expansion of the kingdom of heaven? But when I was researching this whole yeast and baking bread, because I don't really know much about it, I saw this description that this, this lady baker gave, and I thought it's really good. It said, a bread baker named Katrina described working with yeast this way. Yeast has taught me to watch, to be patient, and to know the importance of timing. When to just wait and trust that the dough is rising without my help. I went to intervene and either divide, shape, or fold, or bake the dough. See, bread dough and the way it interacts with the yeast changes every day based on the air temperature or humidity, so you can't take it for granted. The day you think you've got it down pat, the dough humbles you with some sort of change. Yeast is alive, and it has taught me how to work with the living and how to actively wait. You see, the teaching in us surprises us. It does different things to us at different times. Who, who here as a, as a Christian over many years, have you, have you grown at the same rate? Has is it, is it done this constantly? It doesn't, does it? It's, if you're like me, it's kind of it's this. It's, it's up and down. The word of God and the way it grows us surprises us. It takes us by surprise. Why in history have there been periods of revival and it appears to have stopped. And then there's another period of revival somewhere else, and it kind of stops. Why, why does that happen? Because God consistently surprises us. It's his kingdom, and it's his plan, but we are invited to be part of it. So what do we do? We see that there are conditions, I believe, for growth, for the growth of the kingdom of heaven. And it's a bit like rising bread. It's a bit like baking bread and seeing the yeast rise through the bread. You see, what this lady said about the bread and the, and the yeast is that you've got to trust it. You've got to trust the yeast to do its work. The word of God in us does its work. We can't add to it. We can't take away from it. The word of God and the gospel is what it is. We cannot change it. How we present it can change. How we deliver it can change. But it is what it is, and it will never change. But we've got to trust it. We've got to trust it to do its work. We mustn't worry that it won't work because the gospel works. That's why you're here tonight. God is on it. Don't force it. The gospel is what the gospel is. I remember as a young man, as a young teenager, going to um, a Bible camp. Mum took me, and I was delighted, to this, this Bible camp uh, in the Downs. And we went into Brighton to do outreach. And I didn't really even know what outreach was, but that's what we did. And there was a guy there that was, was drawing pictures um, uh, on a board. And a crowd would gather. And the idea was as they were there and they were finished, we would give out tracts to people and introduce them to Jesus. So that's, that was the plan. And as this, this guy finished drawing, as this, this group broke up, I went to give this lady my tracks. She said, oh, would you like one of these tracks? And she just looked at me like, 
she just found me on the bottom of her shoe and kept walking. I said, oh, don't worry about it then. I was absolutely, mort- when I look back, I'm absolutely mortified. I'm absolutely mortified. I felt like I had some kind of impact. I took it personally. The, the growth of the kingdom doesn't depend on us. It doesn't depend on us. We're asked to work with God. We're asked to work with him, invited, the privilege to work with him. But we cannot force it. Timing. Sometimes we need to step back and wait. We need to have patience. When you're waiting for the dough to rise, you've got to wait and let it do its thing. So sometimes we might preach from here. Sometimes you might talk to a workmate or you might talk to somebody in your family. Don't wait for an instant change. We sang this morning in Waymaker, God is always working. Even when we don't see it, even when we don't know it, he is always working. Our job, as in the parable of the sower, is to sow seed and let God do his work. Let's be patient. Several years ago, when we were um, in America, and we were at this mega church, and they had this idea, wonderful idea, but they had this idea that they were going to take the Bible and a, a, a version of it in every language to every country in the world that didn't have it, thinking that that's it, it's done. Once the whole world has got a Bible, once the whole world has got it in their language, Jesus is going to come back. But that's not God's plan. That's man's plan. It'll happen in God's time. Jesus said, I'll be with you to the end of the age. We don't know when that is, but Jesus promises to be with us. It's his plan. So don't be afraid to be patient. Keep doing it, but be patient. I remember, um, oh, what's he called? The guy in um, George Muller. In Bristol, he, he ran orphanages. And he had five, he had more than five friends, but he prayed for these five friends to become Christians. And he saw four of them come to faith in his lifetime. And he was really sad. He died before the fifth one came. But after he died, the fifth one came to Christ. It's God's plan and it's God's timing. Be patient. God is at work. Readiness. We've got to be ready. When this, as this dough rises, as this yeast rises through the dough and it, and it rises, we need to be ready to knock it back at the right time. And as it starts to rise, we need to be ready to do some work. We need to be ready to go to work when called upon. I remember a story of Owen McManus. He was a, he's a pastor in Los Angeles and he's on the kind of conference circuit. And he was flying to do a conference uh, in America to, for 10,000 people. And he was flying there. Um, and it, flying there, he was on a plane, guess. And he sat next to this guy, and this guy was really friendly, over-friendly. Just wanted to talk to him constantly, and he said, oh, you've got to be kidding. So Erwin puts his headphones in and ignores this guy for the whole trip. And as they're coming in to land, the pilot comes on and says, you know, get, get ready for landing. He thinks, thank goodness, we're, we're going to land, and I can get away and get to this conference. And then the pilot comes on again. He says, really sorry, but there seems to be a problem uh, where we're going to land. So we're going to have to circle for, for 20 minutes or so. And he's thinking, I can't believe it. This guy starts talking to him again. But now he can't put his earphones in because that would be just rude. So they're flying around and around. He's just trying to ignore this guy. And then the pilot comes on and says, really sorry, but it's not going to work. We're going to have to land somewhere else. And they flew two hours away. He missed the conference. And he said to God, why have you done that? Why have you let me go through all this preparation? They've booked me. They've paid for my flight. I've done this preparation. Why am I not getting to this conference? And he said, if I can't trust you with one person, why am I going to trust you with 10,000? And he felt that big straight away. Very humble of him to share that story. But we need to be ready. How many times, let's be honest, how many times have we had the opportunity and we know it's been ripe to share that gospel, we know it's been right to step into that gap and to say to somebody, I know someone that can help. I think I could share you this story, but it's easier to walk away. It's easier to be shy. It's easier to just perhaps put an arm around them and comfort them. We need to be ready. We need to be ready to act when called upon. 
And then the two other things, and I'm taking license here, but we need heat and we need humidity with bread. To bake bread, you need heat, you need to put it in the oven. But I'm just going to ask you tonight, how fire, how on fire are we? We're talking about kingdom expansion. We're talking about the growth of the kingdom of heaven. How on fire are we? How much do we really want it? And I'm asking myself the same question. How much do we really want it? Are we content in here? Or do we really want to see the growth of the kingdom of heaven while we're alive? Do we really want to see that? How much do we want it? And humidity. You need moisture. But I'm going to ask you about the Holy Spirit this evening. How filled do you feel? If I said to you, how full of the Holy Spirit are you tonight? Would you say quarter full? Half full? Three quarters full? Overflowing? Somebody might be. But how full of the Holy Spirit are we? How much do we want to see this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven, grow? Now I'm going to tell you a, a story that really inspired me. I don't think he's here tonight. Um, Gordon Field told me this story. And it was between us, it was sketchy. So I went away and I researched it. And I want to tell you this. And if, you, if you're involved in Alpha at all, I think this will be, hopefully, quite significant for you. So there was a guy called Edward Kimball. You will probably never heard of him. But he was a Sunday school teacher a long time ago. And he taught some Sunday school kids, mostly boys, and he fervently prayed for them. He was desperate that they would know God, and he prayed for them every day. And there's one boy that's kind of stopped coming. He was patty, he was in and out, and he thought, I've got to go after him, I've got to go after him. So he went to the shoe store where he worked, and he found him in the stock room, and he said, I want, I want to speak to you. And he went and he shared the gospel with him. He just poured his heart out and shared the gospel to him. Edward Kimball, to this young boy. And this young boy was called Dwight Moody, who some of you might know as D.L. Moody. And he went on to work really hard on two continents, saving thousands of people for Jesus. But then under the ministry of D.L. Moody, another guy got saved called Wilbur Chapman. He became an evangelist and saw thousands and thousands of people come to Christ under his ministry. And under his ministry, there was a guy called Billy Sunday. He was a baseball player. And he gave his life to Christ. And he gave up professional baseball to go on crusades. And it was on one of these evangelistic crusades that he poured a lot of money into, a lot of time into, a lot of energy into. And one guy got saved. Just one. And he remembers, as the story goes, remember saying to God, a bit like Aaron McManus, why have you let me go through all this? All this for one person. Now we know we would say today, it's always worth it. It's always worth it for one soul. But you can imagine him being disheartened. But this guy that got saved was called Mordecai Ham. What a wonderful name. <laughs> Mordecai Ham. And he went on to become a preacher, an evangelist. And he moved to a place called North Carolina. And while he was preaching, he found out about a house of ill repute that had opened opposite the local high school. And he started to call it out in his sermons and started to talk about it. The game was up. So these boys that were skipping school to go to this house of ill repute were not happy. And they started to burst into Mordecai Ham's services and try and disrupt them. And one of the boys amongst them was called Billy Frank. And Billy Frank decided, I'm going to go back again. I'm going to go back again and I'm going to disrupt and I'm going to see what I can do. But Billy Frank gave his life to Jesus and became Billy Graham. And he preached to 2.2 billion people in his lifetime. And that all started with Edward Kimball, Sunday school teacher, fervently praying for the boys in his Sunday school class. 
and not given up on the boy that wouldn't turn up? How much do we want it? How much do we want it? How much do we want to see the kingdom of heaven grow? Who's on your heart right now that you know needs Jesus? That you know you've had the opportunity and you've maybe not quite got round to it. We heard this morning, judgment is coming. We're okay. We know Jesus. We're safe. What about those that aren't? We need to see the kingdom of heaven expanding. We need to let the yeast take hold of us. We need to let the truth take hold of us. We need to grow and we need to share it. We need to take that piece of dough. We need to take that yeast. We need to take that truth and we need to be handing it off to other people. And we need this kingdom of heaven to grow. Now, it's not just about us. God will do his thing. God will win. He has won. He will win with us or without us. But I don't know about you, but I'm, I want to go along for the ride. I want to see how this turns out. So I want to ask you this evening where you are with this, how you're feeling about this. I want to go into a time, I'd like us to go into a time of ministry where we can pray for you. And maybe you can pray for me about how passionate we are about this. How much do we want it? Where are you? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit tonight? Would you want more? How submitted are you to the truth? How keen are you for the truth to grow in you and for you to be able to hand it off? So are you ready to submit to the teachings of Jesus? Not just hear it, but submit to it and do something with it. Allow it to grow within you. Perhaps you need to remind yourself of the amazing news of the gospel. Perhaps remember that story you've heard tonight. Perhaps there's stories in your life. Remind yourself of the goodness of God. And we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I looked at bread, and very simply, as I understand it, bread needs yeast, it needs flour, and it needs water. Well, yeast is the truth of Jesus. And we know we've got that. The flour, well, that's kind of us. We need the truth in us. And we need the water. We need that moisture. We need the Holy Spirit. It simply boils down to spirit and truth. Truth and spirit. How much do you want the truth? How much do you want to give it away? How much do you want the Holy Spirit active in your life? And how much do you want to show it to other people? So I'm going to ask this evening for... I'm going to ask the band to come up now. I'm going to pray for us, but I'm going to ask you to be bold. I know there are going to be some of us that are going to be ready to pray with you. You know who you are if you're, a, you're an elder, a community group leader. Be ready to pray with people if that's what you want. Are you passionate tonight? And this is not a shame thing if you're not. You know, <laughs> I find times when I, I don't want to come to church. I'm being honest. Some days I wake up, I just don't want to come. But I want those days to be over. I want those days to be where I am racing to get through the doors. I want to be, I'm racing back out the door to go and tell people. So I need the fire of God back in me. I need something in me. I need the Holy Spirit. I need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. So if you're thinking this morning, I want to be passionate. I want to be able to go and take this. I don't want any fear in my life. I want to be full of the fire of God. I want to be passionate about this. I want to have courage. But I also want to have patience. Then why don't we pray? For one another. You might not want to come forward, get someone next to you to pray for you, but don't leave this place without asking God to reignite the fire in your belly for the kingdom of heaven. It will expand. It will grow. But I don't know about you, but I want to be part of it. I don't want to have some part in it. So let's pray. Let's just stand and I'll pray for us. And as we head into worship, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, if you want to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. I'm, going to ask, I'm not going to leave here tonight without someone praying for me because I need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit.
If you want some more of that, if you want to touch from God, if you want to say to God, I need more courage. I've got this one person and I need to tell them about Jesus. But I need courage and I need opportunity. Then get someone to pray with you. Don't leave tonight without doing that. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it never returns void. We thank you that it is always active, like yeast. It is always active. It is always fermenting. It is always brewing in us. Lord, I pray that it would grow up in us, that it would rise in us, that it would change us like yeast changes dough. Would it move right through us to the very edge of our being? Or would we want to be in overflow, a state of overflow, and wanting to give away your truth, wanting to give away more yeast for more growth, for more expansion of the kingdom of heaven? We do, Lord, want to see your kingdom on earth. We want to see your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, help us. Help us to have courage. Fill us with passion. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Make us ready when we're called upon to act, to not miss the opportunity. There is so much at stake, Lord. We want to be part of it. So would you help us tonight? Fill us with your spirit. Fill us with your truth. Fill us with the fire of God. I'm just remembering Dave's vision of a man leaving this place on fire. Lord, I would love people to leave this place on fire tonight. Ready to go to work tomorrow, to college tomorrow, to school tomorrow. Ready to tell people about Jesus. Lord, I pray that we'd be sensitive, that we'd be patient, and we would take our opportunities. But Lord, fill us and make us ready, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.